0: We read together to remind us of where we are going, that is, towards Jesus, allowing the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to Him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Well, good morning. Welcome to church today. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you are in a chair or in the chat room today. We are really thrilled uh, that you took some time to come and worship. It's really our our joy and our delight. Uh, we're beginning a brand new collection of uh, sermons today, entitled "Stories of Faith," and uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter ten and eleven today. So. Go to Hebrews 10. We're going to start in verse 32 in just a minute. You can kind of find your way there. If you're not sure how to find Hebrews in your Bible, go all the way to the right. You're in the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, and then swipe left to right on those pages, and uh, you'll find yourself quickly in Hebrews. It's a quick way to do it. Of course, if you have a digital version of Scripture, that's a lot easier to do as well. Uh, I want to say two things right up top. Uh, Number one, uh, this Wednesday, we are doing our first Wednesday prayer and worship we know it's a second Wednesday, but first Wednesday snowed out, and so this Wednesday we're going to gather 7 o'clock to pray and worship, and I want to invite you to come and be here, and let's seek God together. It's going to be just a wonderful time. I hope you'll be here. And then the second thing I want to do is say a huge thank you to uh, Pastor Clayton, to Jarrett, and to Darren Wallace for clearing our parking lot and our sidewalks. Come on. Thank you all. For loving the church and loving the people in this room, making it possible that you didn't have to crawl through snow to get into the building today. Hebrews 10, we're going to start in verse 32, says this. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful. Somebody say remain faithful remain faithful even though it meant terrible suffering sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail and when you all uh, when uh, when all you owed was taken from you you accepted it with joy you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever so do not... Throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by What's that word? Faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away, he says. Verse 39, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. No, we are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Verse 1 of chapter 11, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. That that word reputation could be seen as trustworthy witnesses, somebody that you can rely on their life's testimony to be true, trustworthy. They were reliable witnesses. Let's pray together. Father, these are your words written to us, for us. Lord, they... They had a specific audience, but, Lord, they have application for our life today. Your word, as Hebrews 4 tells us, is alive, it's active, it's living. Lord, would you speak to our hearts today? Would you help calm this moment in this room, Lord? Allow our minds to be clear, our ears to be open, and our heart to be uncluttered with distractions so that we can receive your word today. Lord, help me today to deliver this message that you put on my heart. Allow me to get out of the way and allow your spirit to speak through me. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. Lord, would you give us ears to hear today. And faith to really receive what it is that you're calling us into. We thank you for it. Oh, in Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, amen. amen. I find it easy, personally to get consumed with life, and as I'm consumed with life, I get distracted and I can easily forget maybe what God has done for me, what he's done in me, maybe what he's done through me, what he's done around me. It's, it's easy to forget these things. I think this is one of the reasons why I, I believe daily gratitude is so incredibly important for our lives that every day we would take a moment and reflect and articulate and get specific with some area, some way, something that we have seen God do, something that helps us not take for granted the goodness of God at work in our life. David said in Psalm 27 that I will see your goodness Not just in the day when you return, when the world is set right and sin is vanquished from our midst and evil is punished and the devil is removed from our midst. It's not just one day when you return, God. No, no, I can see your goodness today here in the land of the living, he says. I I do personally want to see God's goodness every day. I want to take a minute and reflect on it, but if I'm honest, it's easy to find myself living with some spiritual amnesia, where it's easy to sidetrack, to get sideways, and just to forget, because there's other more pressing things, there's other things that are shouting at me, there's other challenges that I see, there are, there, there are uniquenesses in our world, and our life, and I can easily find myself consumed with what I can see, rather than having faith for something that is yet to be seen. And I get lost in this spiritual amnesia where I can diminish what God has done in the past. I think this is why it's important for us to take the next several weeks in this collection, the stories of faith, to dive into certain stories and characters and people. As we look at their lives, we're going to discover that they lived lives where they remained faithful to God. It's their life story of faith, of, of a belief in God, of actions that led them to a full fidelity and allegiance to who Jesus and God is. It is all of those things. It's, it's this movement in the direction of God. And so uh, Hebrews 11 is really going to be kind of our main text. We're going to kind of slowly go through and work through some of these things over the next six, eight weeks or so. And we're going to look at the stories mentioned. Hebrews 11 is, is known kind of in in. Christian circles or in church, if you've been around, you may have heard it, referred to as the Hall of Faith. It's Like the Hall of Fame for people who loved God. Like their stories are like amazing and just mind-blowing, but at the same time rooted in the truth of of a God that was unchanging. And so we're going to look at some of their stories and see Jesus in their stories. We're going to see what it looks like for them in their cultural moment to have been uh, considered faithful to God. To be earned, as Hebrews eleven two says, the people in days of old, they earned this good reputation. That when people look back in their life and they recall their name, they're sitting there and they're saying, uh, oh yeah, that person, Joseph, uh, he was faithful to God. Oh yeah, you know, Moses, oh yeah, I remember Moses' life. Moses was faithful to God. He remained faithful to God. He had faith in God. He believed in God. He, he trusted in God and is a trustworthy witness. His life bears witness to the person of Jesus, and, and we want that to be true of our lives too, don't we? That people would be able to look at us, this walking living billboard, this walking advertisement, this, this walking ad into that interrupts and shows up in their lives in brief moments and times, that they would look at your life and my life and be like, oh, those people, they, that's what it looks like to be faithful to God. That's what it looks like to have trust in God. That's what it looks like to have your life transformed by God. We want to look at these stories of faith because these people remind us to live with a loyal faith to God. But today, uh, rather than looking at some of these individuals, I just kind of want to set it up an introduction and help us kind of see the importance of knowing the story of, and looking at story and why story is so powerful and so important. I think that this story is one of the most transformative um, ways of communicating a truth in some way. This is why movies grab our heart. This is why books and novels capture our attention because it's telling us a story and it's transcending us for a moment where maybe we see ourselves in some sort of relation and and relatability to the characters or maybe it's their struggle, it's their story, it's the triumph. There's something that encourages us and inspires us about these stories. There is something powerful about the telling and the hearing of a story that moves us forward. And I think the same thing is true about God. It's this understanding. I think that history is something that um, we learn from. Now, uh, honestly, I am not a historian. I'm, I, I love church history, but I'm not really uh, proficient in church history. I love the stories of church history. I love the stories of history, the stories of people. Uh, I don't like the da- the dates and the figures and the like memorization of like this thing and that thing and when it happened and all that. Like I just no nah, 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 just tell me about the people. Like, tell tell me what they were thinking, what they were feeling, what they were knowing, the decision, the circumstances, the scenario. Like, I like the story of history. I don't like the factuality of history. I'm not saying I want to make up history. I mean, the facts root us in the truth. I get that. I'm just saying that I want to learn from the people who have gone before us. I don't know if you realize this, but Faith Church, this place, this people, has a story. Our story is one of faith. Our story is one of faith. In um, October 5th of 1980, 21 people gathered in the home of Dale and Linda Carpenter. They were the first pastors of this congregation, 1980. they gathered, and for the next month, they gathered together in a home. And then uh, among that time, they made a decision to to start this church and to go in this direction, and it became known as Faith Christian Center. On November 2nd of 1980, they began meeting in the 4-H building here in Fort Scott in the campgrounds. Later they moved to an old church building, and then at one point they uh, stayed in a college uh, they met in the college round room on, on our local community college campus. and they eventually the church purchased a building that was known as the Old Crown Royal Storage Building at 1850 East Wall Street. Now, I, I'm assuming that Crown Royal was exactly some Crown Royal drink up hydrate kind of a crown royal I found it really interesting that we bought two former bars I'm not sure what God's plan is for the people of God in this place I'm not not trying to read prophetically into our history I'm just saying I don't know what to do with that reality they bought the building, though, for $41,000 plus a little bit of interest. Oh, if buildings were that cheap again. In 1998, Tim and Gypsy O'Neill moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they became the pastors here at Faith Christian Center. They pastored here for over 18 years. Faithful, faithful people. We, uh, Greg and Carrie and Connor and my wife and I, we, we had the, the, the great honor a few weeks ago to go down to Houston, Texas, and uh, we got to celebrate the life of Gypsy. She graduated and moved on to eternity and is sitting in the presence of the saints, worshiping her Jesus to this day. She lived a faithful life. She remained faithful. She's a part of our story. Her life impacted many of you in this room in many different ways. She was a faithful woman of God. Pastor Tim was a faithful, is a faithful man of God, and they stewarded this house in very, very God-honoring ways, and we honor them when we celebrate their life. We're so thankful for what they did, but it's a part of our story. It's part of our faith. Uh, He's not here today, but we have a a couple uh, members who were at the very, very first meeting there in October in 1980. Don Wynn, he's a part of our church. He was one of the six started charter members of Faith Christian Center. Still faithful, part of this church hasn't gone anywhere else, been a part of serving and leading. He is a saint of old who is still present with us, and he is someone who has remained faithful. Hebrews eleven two: through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. He is a trustworthy witness, having a reputation of faith in his own life and stewardship. The Daniels came in two, uh, 1998. I won't tell you how old I was in 1998. That's immaterial at this point in time. <laughs> in 2005, the church purchased this property that you're sitting in and sitting a, a part of today. In 2008, three years later, the building was finally ready. And on Easter of 2008, we moved into this space and this place. Tim and Gypsy were the sixth pastors to lead this congregation from its inception to when they moved, which means when Amber and I got here in two thousand and sixteen, we were the seventh pastors. Now I, I find it interesting that biblical numerology, seven is the number of perfection and completion. Just 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 allow you to think about that for a minute. I'm not I'm not saying anything, I'm just he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit might be I'd be saying. We began pastoring on November 1st of 2016. Uh, In 2017, uh, January of 2017, just a few months later, the church took a turn and we transitioned our church and charted a new course. We had a huge vision Sunday. We launched it. We talked about it. And one of the things that we did is we shifted the name of the church from Faith Christian Center to Faith Church, Kansas. Why did we change the name of the church? Well, there were plenty of FCCCCC things here in Fort Scott. Plenty of them. When people who don't know Jesus are looking for a house of faith and a church, they are not searching the the internet for a Christian center. They are searching the internet for a church. It was a really practical, simple process for us. It was went, went with a lot of prayer, but we, we started a new course, and we, we introduced our vision statement, our mission that we still have to this day, that, that we want to bring faith to life, helping people take their next steps to belong to the family of God, become disciples, and build the kingdom of God. This is what we are about. It is our story, and our story is one of faith. This word faith is is a really important one. It is in the Greek, the word pistis, P I S T I S, for those of you who want to get a little Greeky with me. Faith, it's this word pistis, it, it means faithfulness, loyalty, fidelity, and assurance. The noun pistis occurs 243 times in the New Testament. In a concrete sense, it indicates a proof or a guarantee or a pledge. The word is likely used within a sense of a pledge or an oath several times in the letters to Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 2 Timothy 4. And in a more general sense, pistis refers to um, that which gives rise to belief such as the faithfulness and reliability of a person. I wonder who that might be. This is this word faith. I think it's important that we understand what this word faith actually means. Matthew Bates in his book, The Gospel Allegiance, says it like this. Rather, the word pistis, they pertain to the quality someone possesses that evokes faith or trust in another. It is faithfulness. It is reliability. It is fidelity and commitment. Pistis is loyalty, fidelity, allegiance. Faith is a word that emphasizes loyalty, don't miss this, faith is a word that emphasizes loyalty more than it depicts a doctrinal acceptance or a supernatural expectation with no room for doubt. Most of the time when we hear the word faith, we think about some doctrinal thought or we think about a supernatural hope or belief in something or something would happen and it's this idea that there is no room for doubt, we have faith, we it's like this emotional thought process that we have. This is actually not what the word means. The word faith means that there is a loyalty, a fidelity, a commitment, an allegiance. And so when we're saved by grace through faith, it's a work of God based on a response that we make with our lives, not just an agreement mentally to a belief statement or a theological truth. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it. And I think it's important that we understand what this faith is. Uh, Let me use this example. I made a commitment in 2003 to Amber, a commitment. It was a covenant. I pledged to give her my un. Ending love. We made a covenant before God and our friends and family in an act of marriage. We had a ceremony to celebrate a covenant. It wasn't a one-time moment. My faithfulness and my loyalty to her each day is demonstrated in my actions. It's demonstrated the faith that I have in our covenant. My allegiance to my wife is not abstract thought. Nor is it a one-time occurrence. I said my covenant once. I don't need to show it anymore. Nor is it simply a feeling. There's a loyalty, and a pledge, and allegiance, a covenant with God. We are faith church. It's who we are? It's our story. We are faith church church. Now in the in the in the Bible. The biblical understanding of the word church comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, ekklesia. In the original language, it meant a church, an assembly, a congregation. It's a group that meets together for religious and civic purposes. It's an ekklesia. There's another Greek word, that you might think of when we say church today in our vernacular, we say church sometimes to refer to the building. Well, that would be the Greek word synagogo, which meant the place that the ecclesia met. It was the gathered people in a synagogue, right? Synagogo, a gathering, a sanctuary, a place. So so why, why is this important? Because I don't want you to miss the fact that you are not the church. The building is not the church. The ecclesia of God is the gathered people together of God. We are believers individually, but it is the believers that make up the body. And so to say you can do church on your own just is counterintuitive to the truth of what God says. Throughout this pandemic, I just have to be really honest. I had to really dig in and ask the Lord, Lord, what is the church really all about? Take me back to what it means. And, and, and there's a, a theological term called um, ecclesiology. It is the theology of the church. Ecclesiology, a uh, thought about God. Ecclesia, it's the ecclesia. So the thought and the study of God, the truth about God. This is, this is what we do. And it's become so rooted and established and concrete in my heart and my soul. As to what does it mean to be a part of the church. It is not an individual sport. It is a collective cooperation where we assemble to lift up the name of Jesus. And there is something of the presence of God that manifests in the room where the people of God are present. In that space and time. There's something of faith that occurs. We are faith church. Our our logo is this uh, mountain little mountain peaks, and uh, in uh, Growth Track, which starts today, uh, in the first session, which happens at 11 o'clock today, by the way, uh, so if you haven't taken Growth Track, word to the wise, uh, go ahead and jump in on that, Uh, but one of the things I talk about is our logo, like, why do we have mountains in our logo, like, this is Kansas, we have some cool hills, that's true, not many mountains, like, why mountains, here's why, uh, I really do b- believe that our logo, it helps remind us that faith isn't a moment, but it is, it, it is a process of climbing to get heaven's perspective on something. There, there's something solid like a rock we build our life on. It's the teachings of who Jesus is. Isaiah 55.9 says it like this. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, there is a perspective of heaven that faith develops within us. The, the more we are loyal and faithful to who Jesus is, excuse me, and the teaching of God's Word, there is a perspective of heaven that shifts. Have you ever climbed a mountain? As you ascend, as you take steps, as you grow, as you process, every step that you take brings you to a new vantage point to where things that used to be so close up and so here all of a sudden start to fail in comparison to the view that you see, the grandeur of what it is. Friends, this is what it looks like to fix your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews says. The author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set for him before him endured the cross, despised the shame. This is Hebrews, I think Hebrews 12 says all these things. right? So, so faith for us is this understanding that even within our, our logo of faith church, that there is an understanding that we are trying to hold on to the perspective of God in any one moment and situation. I understand that there is truth and reality of where we are at. There are facts and there are things that we do not ignore. We do not pretend away. We do not wish away. We do not conjure up. We do not manifest a new reality apart from the reality that we are in but rather we pursue and grab a hold of the thoughts of god from the word of god to be the people of god and it helps us hold fast with an allegiance that says i will not be shaken this is our story our story is one of faith our story also is one of costly obedience. It's, it's been a costly obedience. Hebrews 10.32, did you hear what it says? It says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering for you. In all of our lives, there are moments of crucible kind of cross moments. In my own journey, I think following God's call on my life has led through and brought me through many moments of obedience, and those moments of obedience were always costly in some way. Following Jesus, there is an element of cost to that. Let me actually, no, that's too soft. Let me be a little more true. Jesus says that if you want to follow him, you have to come take up your cross and die daily. It costs you your life every day. Your perception, your perspective, your opinions, your preferences, there is an element in a call. Now, we don't do it right all the time, right? There, there are moments I lay my cross down, and I go get a little cross with some people, and I let them have some, right? Like, like there are those moments, right? And then I am coming back to it, it's like, nope, Lord, I missed it. I was not walking in obedience to who you are, your word. I need to pick up my cross again, and I need to repent, and I need to say I'm sorry, and I need to move in another direction. There are these moments. That's what it looks like in our lives, for sure. There have been moments, though, in my journey of costly obedience. So with sacrifice, I think about some of the costs that it was for our lives. We, we were firmly rooted and planted, my wife and I, for 13 years ministering in North Carolina, the Charlotte-Concord area of North Carolina. Our, all three of our kids were born there. We loved it. We had deep friendships there, history, and people knew us. And uh, I didn't stick out like a sore thumb uh, there. Like it was... Right? These are the only, uh, okay, these are the only kind of boots that I, I have multiple kinds of boots, right? Come on, like, I got some boots, but they, none of them cowboy boots. Like, not a single pair. There's always going to be a cost to you in following Jesus. That's what obedience looks like. It looks like sacrifice so often. And this is the story that we are rooted in, that we come from. It is our story of faith. Now, friends, hear me. There is a subtle difference between believing generally about something and believing actively about something. Unbelief will often keep us from seeing all that God wants us to walk in and move in. In my own life, the reason I often walk in unbelief and not obey God is because I am afraid that I will fail. And maybe it would be more accurate to say, I am afraid of what people will think of me because I failed. But anytime I obey God, there's something that I have to be willing to lay down to say, "God, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it." Some of you are following God at the cost of reputation in your own home, because your spouse doesn't believe in God, the way that you believe in God. And every week you get up and you show up and it costs something, there's a sacrifice. Some of you to remain faithful and hold on to integrity in your own workplace when everybody else is cutting corners, lying and fudging on their timesheets. You remain a person of integrity. It costs you something to be obedient, to be a person of following Jesus. I want to be clear, though. Even in our cost of following Jesus, it, it doesn't mean that we are looking for a fight or trying to bully our Christian values into our culture or that we live with some underdog chip on our shoulder always claiming persecution. Like because we're a Christian, all of a sudden like woe is us. We live with some martyrdom syndrome, right? Like it's not like we need to live with that perspective all the time, but we also need to be aware that following Jesus costs us something. And friends, it's not just a feel-good moment. There actually is something that causes us to put skin in the game of following Jesus. Why? Because it's we have to take faith in Jesus out of the realm of abstract, oh yeah, yeah, I kind of believe those truths to recognizing that because I believe those truths, there's a loyalty, a covenant, a commitment, a fidelity, a faithfulness, a loyalty, an allegiance that I am giving to Jesus above everything else. It, it's, it's, it's faith and it's our works. It's moving in the direction of what it means to follow jesus i I think about the cost in our own story Uh, this this building that you're sitting in is a building that was purchased in cash debt free to this day as a church we have zero debt on our books i praise god for the sacrifice and the faithfulness of the people who came before me who showed that many of you were maybe a part of that some of you most of you are sitting in a seat you didn't pay for And there will come a day where you'll have an opportunity to pay it forward for another generation of followers of Jesus to sit in a place and hear and learn and have their heart and their faith come alive because we bring faith to life. It's just what we do. Our story is one of costly obedience. It's it's costly of our obedience, but what helps our faith move forward is a hope that we hold on to. This, This hope is a Picture. It's a it's a picture. This this hope is the picture. It's the blueprint of the house before the house ever comes to existence. That's our hope. Hope gives us a picture, but it's faith Hebrews 11, 1 that is the substance of the things that we hope for. It's the it's the thing that allows the hope and the picture to become a reality because our lives live in loyalty to Jesus that bring about this hope that we hold. Onto this hope. It is born from God's word. It is a confident hope in God. It's not our list of demands of God, but rather it is a posture and a desire to have the perspective of heaven in everything that we do. That is our hope. Now, I'm a big picture guy. I, I think in pictures. I'm a visionary. I have dreams, things that, that I see, what God wants us to do. And as a church, one of, one of our roles, my roles, that is unique to the assignment of lead pastors. is that part of what God has asked of me in my role is that I would be one of the chief architects behind our church moving in the direction that God would want us to do. I have to lead. And I have to be able to hear and see and discern, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What, are you, what is the picture of hope that you have for us that you want us as a group and a congregation to move into? Why? Because hope is a picture. And sometimes the picture is really, really clear. And sometimes the picture is still fuzzy. but there's still hope that's being created in our hearts, and and I'll be real honest. I've said this before. Um, During COVID, it was really hard to have a clear picture about what the future was going to look like. For two years, just like, God, are you sure? What do you do? Lord, what's happening? What's, what is our hope? Where, Where is my hope? What's my hope in? Is my hope in anything right? Maybe my hope is all wrong. Maybe like, maybe this is it. Maybe it's like all of us in these moments, and some of you had those same moments in your own life, in your own your own struggle and your own existence and your own day in and day out life, there was a hope that you were trying to hold on to, but you weren't sure what it looked like. And rarely in leading our church do I um, just say, here's some things that I'm thinking about, here's some things that I'm dreaming about. I don't don't normally share those kinds of things um, readily, unless I know that there's a bit of a roadmap and a plan and a way in which we're going to get there. I believe in having a plan. I believe in counting the cost. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe in the wisdom that God has given us. He gave you a brain. Use it. That's kind of of how I live my life. But today I want to share with you three things in the next few moments that are kind of stirring a picture of hope within me. Some of it I see really clearly, and some of it I'm just like, "Mm." I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Things that, I really do believe that God is calling us as a church to move in, but I'm not 100% sure how we're going to get there or when. I feel like I have more questions than I have answers, but I think God is asking me to share these things anyways. Can I share what's on my heart? That's not just our story in the past, but what I think is part of our story in the future. Would Would that be all right, just for a few minutes? The first area that I'm seeing hope grow in my heart is that we'll return to two full services as a church. When I say full services, I'm not necessarily talking about numerical attendance, although I think that's part of it. Attendance to church is not the only metric by which we measure our faithfulness to God. In other words, not everybody who's not here every single Sunday is falling away from Jesus. But can I also say this? 100% 100% of the time when people fall away from Jesus, they stop going to church. When I say full services, I'm not necessarily that it's packed out, standing room only, and all those things. Lord, let it be if you want. We, we do. We do believe that we will be a church of size. In fact, there's a, a number, 1,000 on a weekend is, is kind of how we're planning and thinking and, and, and dreaming. Okay, Lord, what does that look like? How do we structure it so that we're ready? Whenever God does that, great. If he ever does it, great. But we have a plan. We're we're thinking in a direction. But when I say full service, here's what I mean. That when you show up, you are fully engaged in the moment. You show up early and you stay late. Why? So that you can get to know the people around you. Because being in a church isn't just showing up and leaving. It's showing up ready to engage. If you're new, we'll have people who walk into the buildings for the first time. They are here to sit and receive and be loved on and be blessed. And I hope that is that. We say it like this. We want to give you the blessing of anonymity, but we want to make it easy for you to be known when you're ready. And we have people at all different spectrums. You've still been checking it out. You've been coming once. You've come twice. You've come three times. You're not sure if you're really ready to engage. Some of you have been coming for two years. It's time to engage. It's time to get to know some people. It's time to interact. It's time to to sing and to worship and to get to know the people around you and to be a part of those things. But it's not just a full engagement from our part. Here's the other part. I think it's time that we have our full environments for our kids to be available in all of our services. Currently, we have Faith Kids, all of our environments in the 930, and we don't have any available in our 11 o'clock. Our goal, our hope, my desire is that by April of this year, that we would be able to have kids' services in both those services. What does that mean? That means we need about 25 more people who currently aren't serving anywhere to begin to fall in love with the mission and the people of God and say, I want to help other kids learn about Jesus. Some of you, you aren't cut out for kids' ministry. There's other opportunities for you to engage. We We get that. Like, just... We don't want to scare the children. <laughs> right, like, bless your heart. We we have a parking lot. You are welcome. We'll put you behind a camera. Like, there are other opportunities. I I want to challenge you. I want to ask you. This isn't a cry. Oh, help us! Well, as us. I'm just saying. If you believe in what God is asking, here's part of the picture. I, I want you to help move. Up. Let's move forward in this. Some of you are already set up for it. Why? Because you are in a practice of coming to the first service, which means you are well aware and able to stay for the second service and serve. Some of you, it might mean that you are already serving, but in your kids' area, you're like, you know what? I can serve more than once a month. I can serve twice a month. We want to help you take those next steps. I I believe that we're moving into this idea of full service together. Hebrews 10.25 says, let's not forsake the meeting together as is the habit of some. Let's make sure that we're here, all in on these things. I, I believe that it's time for us to fully engage again. H- here's the second thing of, of hope in my heart. But that time already, Taylor. Bless the Lord. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, no. You're great. Please start playing. It helps the spirit move, anyways. I believe. <laughs> Here's the second area that's stirring in my heart, youth culture. Y-T-H, youth. Some of you are like, you didn't spell that right. I know, it's on purpose, it's cool. (laughs) Youth culture. What do I mean by youth culture? I believe that we wanna have a culture among us of youth. I want it to be a normal occurrence that we have youth who are passionate in their worship, who participate in the family of God, and who circle up with their peers to grow in their own discipleship to Jesus? You're like, Pastor, are we going to start a youth group? No. We already have two groups for youth: middle school and a high school. We call them Connect Groups, where they circle. I believe that we are going to have a culture in our environment that is young. We, we, we are going to vibe young as a church. We, we are going to be fun when we gather, we're going to be energetic. There's an element of youthfulness that will always be present in we, who we are. It's not because your pastor's really young. I'm turning 40 this year, still really young. Really young. I have spent, my wife and I, 18, 19 years, full-time ministry. 13 of those years. Leading kids ministry and youth ministry together. Kids and youth is our heartbeat. There is an approach and a philosophy and reasons behind the way that we are approaching the things that we're approaching. And if you've got two hours, I'd be happy to sit down and walk you through why. I believe that this idea of having a youth culture, even in our small groups that we have with our kids, I think that in the future, we're going to see once a month, once a quarter, United Youth Nights. I Do you think we'll see those? Or once a month, once a quarter, middle school, high school, come together. for for an encounter moment with the Lord. I think that we're going to see those things in the future. When's that going to happen? I have no idea. I'm kind of just sharing my heart a little bit, bearing my soul. Here's what I do know, is this is going to take caring adults who believe and want to champion the next generation I think it's going to take adults who care, who show up in positive ways in their space, who connect and communicate regular with students and teenagers as they champion them towards Jesus. And some of you, you know that's in your heart. And let's talk. Let's get you engaged in serving in our connect group for our teenagers. People who show up every Sunday and are just looking for teenagers to love on them, to celebrate them, to champion them, to bring them along, and to connect. That's part of what is going to happen in the future. And it's part of, when are we going to do that? I don't have a great plan yet. I don't know. I'm just telling you the future and the hope that is rising in my heart, that there would be a culture and an environment. But we will have a, 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 a church that welcomes young people, that is full of young people, and that has parents who model what it looks like to be passionate in worship, who model what it looks like to engage in the family, and who model what it looks like to circle up with their own peers. Parents, if you're not doing it, your teenagers won't do it either. Always starts at home. and This is part of our heartbeat. And then finally, one of the things that's in my heart, I love Jesus so much. One of the things that's in my heart <clears throat> for the future is that we would have what we call faith gatherings. We, we've kind of kicked the idea. We've toyed around. Let, let me let me talk. talk just. I'm so late, y'all. I'm gonna go for it, anyways. Y'all are y'all will be all right. know God has called us to uh, engage online. And so many of you are watching online. Many of you, before you ever came into this building, you watched online. This is a normal thing that we see again and again and again. Online is designed as a first look into the family of God. And it is designed as a supplement to your life, where you go back throughout the week and supplement and re-watch it and learn again. Or, when you have to be out of town, you you, you, you can watch, you can engage. Some of you have been online only for a couple years. As your pastor, I'm saying it's time to meet together again. So if you're within driving distance, we hope that online is a first look for you and a supplement as needed. But if you're within driving distance, we want you to be a part of the family and engage. For those who aren't within driving distance, or aren't able to gather in larger numbers, we want to be able to host faith gatherings. And by we, we mean you, in your home, where the broadcast Live becomes the source of your gathering. You you sit, you worship, you champion, you pray. And then when it's over, you sit, you share a meal, and you discuss what was it that God was speaking to you. It's like a hybrid between church and connect group all at the same time. When does that happen? I, I don't know. It's in our heart. It's something that we believe God is moving us into, that we would be able to stand on our own two feet and gather with the people of God, it's part of what's in our hearts stirring for the future. I think it's what it looks like. I I think we'll have faith gatherings in every rural community. I I would love to see a life-giving faith gathering in every rural community that's not within driving distance of faith church. In the southeast Kansas, southwest Missouri area. Friends, hope is the picture that we see. But can I be really clear? Hope is the picture of Jesus and his transformative work that we need to hold on to. Would you stand with me? We're going to come to the table of the Lord. I want to say thanks for your bonus time, your attention of engagement today, letting me share my heart a little bit. I hope it's been life-giving and encouraging to you. If you have your elements, would you just go ahead and open up the top layer for a minute? Get the Get the bread and the juice and then, then the next layer you can open up and you'll see the juice there. We do it all together so nobody feels awkward about making noise with the cups. We love you that much. So just open them up and here we are. We're family, it's okay. I wanna read these words of Hebrews ten, nineteen through 25 as kind of our call to the table of the Lord and let it be a reminder as to why we come to the table. Would you just close your eyes for a minute and hear these words? And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, that's Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with his pure water. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another towards acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Jesus, as we stand here at the table, I pray that you would just seal in our hearts and remind us that for those of us who have put our faith in you, those of us who believe in you and are pursuing you, we're followers of you, we can come boldly into your presence. And we can receive your grace every time that we need it again and again and again. And so today, God, we just say we need your grace. We need your power. We need your salvation. We need your work in our lives to remain faithful. Thank you for your body that's represented by this bread. It was broken for us. We remember it and we receive it with gratitude. Lord, we thank you for this juice, this cup, symbolizes your blood that has the power to clean and remove. It's like heavenly stain be gone for the stains of sin in our lives. And we remember that sacrifice that gives us your holiness and righteousness so that we can come into your presence day in and day out. Father, today I pray for your people, my family. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. That you'd make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Would you lift your countenance towards them and give them your peace. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all the people of God said, amen. Hey friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I wanna ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.